talking about demons. What are the demons? Voices. Tell me about them. What are the voices about? It's one. It's another voice. The evil side. Yeah, whatever your name is, hey. back ladies and gentlemen to the evil examine podcast the unholy trinity myself katie and jp uh guest guestless right for these last uh this episode and then next week which will be the end of the second season uh so bittersweet yeah it's definitely bittersweet it's sad but uh that that means not too much of a change for you guys you're still gonna get we're gonna be putting out extra evil episodes in the interim so it just won't be the odd news forbidden five evil entry format but you'll still get some awesome weird bizarre and uh, horrifying stories throughout that interim and then a major announcement cataclysmic life-changing you think this virus changed your life (laughs) well you ain't seen nothing this is foreplay oh That might be a little bit of a carrot. You might have to wait until uh, you know we start doing those extra evil episodes, and then you'll find out exactly what this uh, seismic announcement is. But remember, people, subscribe to the podcast, like it, review it. If you do enjoy it, it really does help us. Um, we don't really make any money doing this, and we have uh, hosting fees and uh, website fees, so we're at the very least... Hoping to get some good reviews out of this, if possible. If you do like it. And if you hate it, bring the hate, too, you know? You can send it right to uh, evilexamine at gmail.com. Yeah, or just uh, go to our Facebook, leave a comment. <laughs> right? Just come Instagram. over to our house. <laughs> <laughs> just come right over. But, yes, so, but do check out www.evilexamine.com because we did put up uh, uh, the... Uh, Plastic World music video from last week's episode, and also the plastic surgery slideshow. So those will be things that you may may take interest in. Please check them out. But I think we can get the ball rolling and get into this week's Forbidden Five. This week, we're going to talk about fanatics, those obsessed fans and celebrity worshipers that sometimes go a little bit too far, you know? So, I want to know, do you guys have any celebrities you're obsessed with? And what extent did that obsession go to? (laughs) I've never really been, I wouldn't say obsessed with a celebrity, (laughs) but... In high school, I did like the Insane Clown Posse a lot, and I had like a lot of their T-shirts and went to a few of their shows and that. But it's it's not like um, I wasn't stalking them. You know what I mean? Like (laughs) I just liked them a lot. What about you, Jane? I learned at a very early age never to have role models because they always disappoint you. So I I liked a couple of like. Celebrities, but I didn't like obsess over them. Do, but you have like, 
You guys both probably have like musical inspirations. Like you have like insane clown posse. I like I like Nine Inch, uh, Trent Reznor, uh, yeah. Marilyn Manson. Early on, I, I was big into them. Uh, Eminem. Eminem. I had a little shrine to Ewan McGregor in my room when I was a kid. <laughs> with all like he used to be on Mountain Dew cans when Star Wars came out with him in it. So I would collect those. Yeah. Every, like there's a bunch of stuff coming out when he became Obi-Wan Kenobi and I just collected it all and made a shrine in my room. So there's that. uh, I've watched, I recently watched the, um, the Harley Quinn movie because my girl (laughs) wanted to watch it. I thought it was going to be stupid and it was, uh, but Ian McGregor's role in that movie was fucking amazing. Oh, that's good. Because I was like, "Why is he in this movie?" <laughs> so he was the he was the saving grace. Yes, he was. So I recommend watching it just for him. <laughs> it looked atrocious from the trailer, and just the way like Harley talks, it just fucking goes right up my ass for some reason. It was so annoying watching it, <laughs> but every time he was on screen, it was like a smile went on my face. <laughs> but so celebrity worship. There's, like, a syndrome that goes with it, too. And, like, I just keep thinking about, like, you know how you have some friends who, like, talk about celebrities like they know them? Like, the whole Kardashian thing. It's, like, they'll have people... We can have, like, a complete conversation. And I'm guilty of it, too. Like, sometimes I'll watch, like, different reality shows. I can have an entire conversation about what these people I don't know did in their lives and judge them based off of it, you know? But celebrities... People do that with football teams. Yep. Yeah, like, oh, we got we drafted this guy. <laughs> we won this game. I, I'm guilty of that for sure. <laughs> I didn't see you on the fucking field. All right. So this celebrity worship syndrome, there's like different stages of it or play, like ways that people can get attached. So there's um simple obsession. Those are just your basic stalkers. They've usually had a relationship with the victim, so that's like not a celebrity, just anyone. It's usually males that do this. Surprise, surprise. And it's associated with low self-esteem, social awkwardness, and inability to have successful successful personal relationships. It's not always like they're in love with the person or like obsessed with or like have a sexual fantasy about them. Well, I mean, that makes sense because the the concept of the isolation, you know, isolating yourself and you don't have a lot of good personal relationships it makes it easier for you to fall like and become, you know, obsessed with someone that you don't have access to because you don't have any other things kind of pulling you away from it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're left to your imagination because you don't know them personally, so they, you can have so, all these fantasies. Yep. And it's like sometimes people will listen to songs or like watch a movie or something and they'll think that person is speaking directly to them, you know? It's like, oh, those lyrics are intended for me. And then um, there's the love obsessional. So that's like usually the restless talkers and they're the ones that like, oh, I'm actually like in a relationship with this person, even though they don't, they're not, they don't know them or anything. Then there's erotomanics who believe that the victims are in love with them. So it's like, if I, I, was, I was just stalking someone because they're in love with me, even though they've never met me. They just don't know it yet. They just don't know it. You know? Yeah. Um, then there's, like, the entertainment social. That's what we were talking about earlier, where you just talk about celebrities' lives with friends. And then there's intense personal. That's when you get plastic surgery style to, like, look like a celebrity. Like, we are talking about the Justin Bieber guy. He's amazing looking. Um, then there's borderline pathological. So that's when you're like so obsessed with people that you'll use your stimulus check to buy a tampon used by your favorite celebrity, you know? Oh, that's a thing. (laughs) Yeah, that's a thing. Is that the thing? (laughs) Yeah. Some of the craziest fans are like the K-pop fans too. I don't, I've never listened to K-pop. I have to be honest. Have you guys ever listened to it? Um, I put, Uh, yeah. Or we watched a video maybe. Yeah. I think we watched a video just, just out of curiosity. For those listening that aren't aware of what K-pop is, it's Korean pop, which was fucking weird um, and kind of like organized madness. Yeah. It's like organized slavery. Yeah. Because these companies own these fucking guys and, and women. They're, so, they're like not allowed to like leave their house and they're like <laughs> always training like dogs and shit. 
But then they have to deal with these insane fans too that are called Sasang, I guess. I'm not sure I'm saying that right. But some people will spend $600 a day to take a taxi cab to follow their favorite idols around to their different appointments like these K-pop stars. They'll just rent a car for the whole day to stalk them. Um, some of them end up dropping out of school and turning to prostitution to follow them around to pay for that. <laughs> um, there's videos of them like tearing the K-pop stars out of their cars and uh, some of them will write them notes in menstrual blood. I thought that was pretty cool. Oh. Uh, would you guys be flattered if someone did that for you? <laughs> Hell yeah. Um, I suppose. That's life blood. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And have you guys ever met a celebrity? Um, we've met them at some conventions, I feel like, right? Yeah, yeah we, we've seen a couple there. What, Elvira came by our table at the thing? We saw Rob Van Dam. Rob Van Dam. Yeah. Billy Zane. <laughs> the Billy nicest Zane. of them all. We saw him passing by. I met... The Terrifier. Oh, yeah. The Terrifier, dude. He was cool. Oh, uh, we met the guy from Silent Night, Deadly Night. Oh, yeah. He's, he's awesome. really awesome. Yeah. Mostly wrestlers for me. Mm-hmm. Oh, I did meet William Forthside, too. Who's like in like Devil's Rejects and um, what do you call it? Uh, the a lot that Steven Seagal movie like Out for Justice. It's it's hard. He's the sheriff. Oh okay. Like that creepy fucking creepy sheriff guy. He's he's, he smells really bad in person. That's pretty he's weird. A, he's a method actor. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of maybe stinky celebrities. Have you guys all heard of Dimebag Daryl from Pantera? Yeah. Yeah? Absolutely. Uh, how, can you describe his physical appearance for me? <laughs> he looks like a Brillo pad. <laughs> yeah, like a mix of a Brillo pad and a mountain goat. Yeah. Yes. That's a pretty good description. <laughs> um, he has like a Seagram 7 tattoo because that's his favorite <laughs> whiskey. Um so, for those that don't know about Dimebag Daryl, he's considered one of the best heavy metal guitarists of all time. Uh, him and his brother, Vinnie Paul, were in Pantera together. They started in high school, and they were originally going for a more glam rock sort of vibe. <laughs> right? Can you imagine that? Um, I've seen. <laughs> you've seen the picture? So yeah. the, the band evolved over time, and like members swapped in and out. And then 2003, it all like went to sh- went to shit. Shit hit the fan, and they had their acrimonious split. Is how it's always described. Uh, they were really angry with their lead singer Phil Anselmo, who's also in that down band. He's like, I've seen him. You've seen him. Loopholes. Yep. Yeah. He was um, having some issues with heroin and booze. Like he would drink like a whole fifths before doing shows because his lower back hurt. He said. Uh, he would ride around in a separate tour bus than them, and he's given interviews saying that Dimebag Daryl needed to be severely beaten. Uh, yeah. Also, more recently, in 2016, he tossed up a Nazi salute at a show and said it was just an inside joke because he was drinking white wine backstage. He got a lot of heat for that. Yeah, he's he's been accused of, like, the white supremacy stuff a few times, I feel like. Yeah. Yeah. So, fresh off this split, Dimebag Daryl and Vinnie Paul formed Damage Plan, and they started touring. But, obviously, with their same, like, kind of Pantera fan base. But a lot of... Do you guys know any, like, super Pantera fans? Yes. Yeah? With all the shirts? Yeah. There's a a type, I feel like, of Pantera fans. Oh, yeah. They they definitely are, like, a, a, a weird kind of niche with certain fans, you know, like while their, their albums sold a lot overall, it was still kind of somewhat of an underground kind of vibe with them. You know what I mean? Like you didn't get like super, like I didn't get a super mainstream vibe from them, even though they were relatively well known, Mm -hmm. which I think when you have more of that underground ish kind of weirdness, that's when you tend to get those fans that are like fucking whacked out too, you know? Yeah, because most of these super popular ones only have the on the surface superficial fans who like them just because everyone else likes them. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, 
But yeah, I, I, I fuck with Pantera. I know, I know a lot of people that were like hardcore about them. Right. So one guy who also fucked with fan, Pantera was uh, <laughs> one of their fans, Nathan Gale. So he was kind of like a heavier set guy. And he used to play for his high school football team. And to get psyched up for the games, he would listen to Pantera, which I feel like that would definitely work to get anyone psyched for that. Oh, yeah. We listen to, like, Walk. <laughs> I love that song. You know, like, well, yeah, the, what? The, um, the Cowboys from Hell album, right? That one was awesome. Yeah. Uh, the vul- vulgar display of power. I mean that's that's one that's considered like one of the better like heavy albums of all time. I had bought the cassette of Reinventing the Steel actually. That was my introduction to Pantera. <laughs> <laughs> the cassette. Um, <laughs> you so, don't know what that is. <laughs> whatever that means. Yes. Yeah. Old man. Um, so this Nathan Gale, he lived in like a small kind of like one stoplight town called in Marysville, Ohio. Went to a vocational school studying, like, electrical and construction stuff. And then he kind of fell into drugs and just worked minimum wage jobs to support his habit. So his mom kicked him out because she was pissed about the drugs. And apparently there was, like, a violent incident. And he became homeless. He cleaned up and joined the Marines. And she was so proud of him that he, she bought him a gun for his Christmas present. Um, All right. And then he was discharged from the Marines. They wouldn't give a comment on why, but he told everybody it's because they said that he was a paranoid schizophrenic. Um, And his mom worked at this saloon, and he would kind of hang out around there and around, like, the places next to it. So there would be, like, a pawn shop, and he would look at the guns there. Uh, People would see him wearing the same clothes every day, walking up and down the street. He'd hang out at a tattoo shop and talk about heavy metal with people there. But generally, people just really thought he was weird, you know? That was just, like, the vibe they got. And he had gotten in trouble a couple times, too, for uh, skateboarding in the Kmart parking lot. Got in trouble for that. <laughs> and Total badass. A couple stealing off some of the construction jobs he worked and driving with a suspended license, you know? And he was in a band, and they actually called him Crazy Nate. That was their nickname for him, which I thought was a cool one. <laughs> Crazy Nate, dude. Yeah. Uh, we've all been there. We've <laughs> all everybody Nate. knows a crazy Nate. Come on. Right? Yeah. And he'd talk to himself and uh he'd have like an invisible dog that he'd talk to also and carry around. Um <laughs> and he wrote lyrics, but they the lyrics that he was writing, they're just like Pantera lyrics. And so finally one day someone called him out on it, you know, they probably let him get away with it for a while. Cause they're like, Oh, it's just crazy Nate. And they're like, yo, these are just Pantera lyrics. You took them from Pantera. And he's like, no, they took them from me. I'm a Sue Pantera, and I'm a Get Time Big Daryl. No, that's, no, he didn't uh, say that. That's awesome. He said he was going to sue Pantera for stealing his lyrics. And he did say that Pantera was trying to steal his identity. So he started getting pissed at them, you know? <laughs> I'd be heated too. Yo, right? when love turns into hate, dude. And then... Uh, there was one Pantera show that he went to in Ohio, and he he jumped on the stage and caused like two thousand dollars worth in damage, knocking shit over because he's a kind of big guy. But they, when they were on stage, they were like, "Well, it's not like we're gonna press charges against him because we're not coming back here for court," you know, just joking <laughs> with the whole audience. So then we come to the incident where this man. Clearly obsessed with Dimebag Daryl and Pantera. A big fan does something that will live in infamy. So Damage Plan was playing on December 8th, 2004 at the Al Rosa Club in Columbus. And that's actually the same day that John Lennon was shot 24 years earlier by a guy named Mark Paul Chapman who hated John Lennon for saying that the Beatles were more popular than Jesus so like that's a weird that's a weird cr- stalker crossover right there. Mm-hmm. It makes me think mm. that parallel universe exists. <laughs> right. Every twenty four years, this is going to happen yeah. on December eighth. <laughs> um, so there were about two hundred fifty people in this six hundred person capacity club. So I'm like, it's not that full. You know what I mean? Um, Nathan doesn't have the money to pay the eight dollar cover charge. 
So after that's, that's pretty steep. I feel like if if uh, Dayron showed he up at that him. door, he might turn the other way too. Turns out the cheek. Uh, so um, and he, I guess he wasn't on the list either. I don't know. What the fuck? So, how how when they took his lyrics? Like he's he's the ghostwriter, isn't he? They steal his identity. He should at least get his cover covered. Um, he should be VIP, right? So. Uh, when the band started playing their first song, he had hopped the fence and gone through a side door, you know, which is pretty cool, like good for a big guy like that to hop the fence. And they were playing their first uh, song from their set, interestingly enough, called Breathing New Life. When Nathan stormed the stage and shot Dimebag three times in the head and once in the hand. And some of the crowd actually thought it was part of the show and they were like pumping their fists and like screaming for more kind of thing. Uh, oh, shit. And then all these people were rushing up to help. He shot the tour manager. He shot and killed their head of security, Jeffrey Mayhem Thompson. He shot and killed a fan named Nathan Bray trying to help. Wait, that's Nate on Nate crime? Nate on Nate, right? Nate on Nate, dude. That's a Nate crime. (laughs) Nate crime. And then he also killed a bouncer named Aaron Hulk. Oh, shit, Aaron. Yeah, brother. (laughs) He shot a drum tech named John Cat. Brooks, Cat was his nickname. All these guys have nicknames. That's what I love about this uh, metal shit. So he shot him twice in the leg, and then he was, like, holding him hostage and holding the gun to his head. And, um, like, the cop, there was one cop that showed up on the scene, like, within three minutes, and he was just by himself, and he grabbed a rifle because he wanted, like, a bigger gun. He went through the side door. Well, it was a shotgun. A shotgun. Yeah. A rifle shotgun, sorry. A little different. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and then... <laughs> well, I say that because it's it's harder to hit direct with the shotgun. A rifle, it's like... You mm, know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, the shotgun has the scatter fire a lot of times, you know? Like, there's, there's more of a radius. Oh. So it's kind of it's kind of relevant. You know more about guns than me, though. And then... Um, so this guy goes in there, and he's holding... Like, he's holding... Nathan is holding the guy, cat, hostage with a gun to his head... Well, he's been shot in the leg in front of the crowd and he's like looking at the crowd and he's like firing randomly into there and the cop comes up and he just comes up from the side and shoots him in the head and kills him and saving everybody. James Niggemeyer, the worst name to say. Well, let me say this though, is that when you can, you can see this, some video of this and actually I think we can probably put some video of this on the website for you guys to check out www.evilexamine.com. But um, I thought that this was a particularly uh, ballsy motherfucking cop, dude, because he went in there by himself. All he had known was that people were shooting in there. And he, he went up, and you could tell, like, it's a tough shot. He's, he's wielding a shotgun, and the guy has a hostage. So he's like, I want to aim high, you know what I mean, to make sure... That I don't clip him. It doesn't hit the and it's just yeah. mad intense. And you can see he's visibly distraught after he kills the guy. Like he's it the shit just rocked him. And then one of the guys was like, dude, you had to fucking kill him. You can hear him saying it in the video. One of the stagehands is like, you had to fucking kill him, dude. He was gonna he was gonna kill him too. He was gonna kill more people. But you could see like he's just he, he I mean, I don't know if you're gonna go into that, but okay, yeah, even even after Years later, um, he's still dealing with this, like the nightmares from it. Uh, he's he's has to be on medication and like it really fucked his life up. If you guys want to see how fucked up his life became, we'll put it on the website. But but it's pretty it's pretty sad though. And uh, the guy's a hero, and like he because he probably saved multiple lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even though he saves lives, it's not an easy thing to kill someone. Right. If you're if you're not psychotic, right? I mean, a lot of the you know, in the news we see a lot of stories about you know cops killing people, you know, and like controversy around it. Um, and I think sometimes people in their mind may just have a picture that it's just something that is easily done, you know, from some of the controversial cases that kind of make the media. But I think. This one shows this is like some dude that he just that's the last thing he wanted to do, you know? 
Yeah, you could tell yeah. he felt even worse because the guy is like mentally ill. And that's the case with like a lot of these stalkers. But just because they're mentally ill doesn't mean that like violence is acceptable, you know? But right. Um, yeah. So that was that was the story this of case Sandy Carroll. Yep. <laughs> um, so next up we have the goddess of the goddess of sex, Madonna herself. You know? Erotic. Erotic. She's mental? Dude. She's menstrual. She's <laughs> I feel like everyone knows who Madonna is. Um, you know. Is Madonna the first person to be named Madonna? I I don't know. It sounds ancient. Right. Uh I feel like she's still super famous, even though and she's like transcended a bunch of decades and she just looks like a old yoga lady now. Yeah. But like <laughs> I don't feel like people now still are newly becoming obsessed with her, you know? I thought it was weird she had that MDNA album because I was like, is she going after, like, trying to say it's like MDMA? Like, I don't know, but did you, see the, did you see the recent video of her in the bathtub with, like, her security after the coronavirus put everybody inside? <laughs> and, of course, like we were talking last week, celebrity lecture, the virus has equalized all of us we're now all equal like you know what i mean like she was saying like that it was the ultimate equalizer or something it's like bitch you're in a fucking billion dollar building and i'm eating fucking pop tarts in a crack house you know there's a bit of a difference like (laughs) oh my god they're so fucking delusional so delusional and they think that they know like they think they can relate to humans at least, like, Tom Cruise, you know, you ever see Tom Cruise try to relate to humans? He's, <laughs> He's fucking nuts, dude. He, he jumps out of airplanes. He can't do it. I can never relate to him. Something charming about him, though. I don't know. Like, I enjoy I it, him. you know, his delusions, because I think he's just, like, mentally ill, you know? But uh, Do you guys have a favorite Madonna song? I'm not a big Madonna fan. I don't even fan. know her songs. Yeah, I'm not a big fan. Okay. I never liked right. her. I never liked her. Fuck that bitch. Okay. Uh, Who has pointy tits? <laughs> so, Madonna herself was actually kind of accused of stalking once. She had a music video called Just for a song called Justify My Love, where she was making out with this uh, British supermodel named Amanda Cazalet. And after they shot the music video... Uh, she kept like calling this lady and sending her notes. And one of the notes was like, yo, I know you're pregnant and married and I can't explain my attraction to you. I'm not attracted to very many women in this way. I wish I could just see you. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah. Yo. So really, this is what you call uh, coming full circle uh, karma, right? Well, I mean, she's about to get stalked hardcore. I'm going to tell you about her stalker. You know she fucked Tupac? No, she didn't. No. Well, they, they, they wrote like love notes to each other and shit. Yeah, she'd be writing love notes to everybody. Yeah. Hmm. He was probably laughing with his homeboys. <laughs> He's like, yo, this bitch with the torpedo tits. <laughs> torpedo. <laughs> the torpedo tits. <laughs> Don't make me ride on this bitch. <laughs> oh, my God. So, the fan's name is Robert Dewey Hoskins. He's kind of a drifter. He's originally from Walla Walla, Washington, I'm pretty sure. He, like, kind of would wander around and sleep in forests. Uh, He got in trouble once for... He was in a national forest and he needed to make some money, so he started chopping trees down and selling firewood. Uh, You know? (laughs) So, they got him in trouble for that. Um, He... Also, he wrote out his 20-page life story, but he needed assistance because he was literate. Um, he said he <laughs> Hold was... On, stop. <laughs> and first of all, his life story, his life is so it's worthless, it could barely cover 20 pages. And he's fucking illiterate. <laughs> Yo. There's a lot in those, those 20 pages, though. Uh, and he must have wrote really tiny. Some of the things he had in there... Uh, was about how much he was in and out of prison. He was married a few times. Uh, he had 23 teeth replaced. Um, That's like half, right? <laughs> how many teeth are there? Like, I don't know. I was like, is that all but one? And then I was up. like, no, there's more than that. 
How many teeth do we I have? I think it's like 50 or something. I really do. You ever just try to count it with your tongue? No. Mm. Okay. Okay. Does it, are we counting wisdom teeth? You still have those? No, they were removed. They were ripped from my mouth. Mm. Me too. <laughs> that, was, that was a good day for me when I got mine out. It was fun. Um, there were details on how he had met Madonna in Aspen, and they got secretly married and then got hammered, and he pissed himself while waiting on her to come back with more wine and a half rack of beer in a two-hour time span. So that's how he remembers meeting Madonna, right? He, he pissed on himself? Yeah, while, he was, while she went out to go get more alcohol after they were secretly wed in Aspen. <laughs> that's his was memoir. Was it due to anticipation? I, I think he was just drunk. <laughs> I'm talking about a little place called Aspen. Um, By the way, the human adult has 32 t- teeth. Oh, 32. So, holy so, shit. That's like a third of the teeth. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> so, what about, you ever see those people that it looks like they just have all baby teeth still? Oh, yes, so it's weird. creepy. And they have the extra gummy smile? Mm-hmm. Like, it's like, damn, yo, you need to... Put your lip down aliens. a little lower. Yeah, There's too much gum. I got that horse face smile sometimes <laughs> where it's like a lot of gum, but also a lot of teeth. You yeah, know? you got plenty of teeth, though. Yeah. <laughs> you can't have it disproportioned and just have fucking baby teeth and gums. Well, you can, but it's, you know, it's, it's a risky look. I'm changing my plastic surgery answer to that. <laughs> Attach my lip to my gums more. Um, so... This guy, Robert Dewey Hoskins, he would also record a bunch of his video diaries and he put them on his no longer existing website called convictedmadonnastalker.com. He was repping that shit. <laughs> but Convicted. Clips of his videos are available on this uh, show called Love for Keeps. It's a Madonna documentary that you can find on YouTube. Uh, this guy also has a tattoo of Madonna on his stomach and a Madonna loves me tattoo. And let's get into what exactly he did to madonna erotic so uh he was wandering around like the steep hills kind of around her house in la and he jumps her fence in 19 this is in 1995 so he gets thrown out by security and he starts leaving some creepy notes on like religious letterhead that talk about how terrible premarital sex is and saying that he wanted to have her for keeps And he thinks they're already married because they met, obviously, and got secretly married in Aspen that only he knows about. Um, And that she belongs to him and so does her house. So he keeps hopping the fence and he jumps in. Sometimes he would take off his clothes and swim in her pool, which is kind of a standard (laughs) thing for people, these celebrity stalkers to do. They always take off their clothes in their house and stuff. It's very strange. Um, It's his house, too. (laughs) So he starts, this time a security guard caught him and uh, he started trying to like jump the security guard. So the security guard shot him um, and didn't kill him or anything, just injured him. And he got 10 years uh, at a mental institution and they forced Madonna to testify to put him in jail for this. She was very uncomfortable going to the court because she didn't want to be in front of him. She thought it was like giving him what he wanted. And she told the court about the nightmares she had about him, which caused him to be convicted. But what do you guys think? Do you guys think that, like, stalking victims or rape victims should have to be in court to testify at the same time of their person, like, the person that they're accusing is there? Yeah. Unfortunately. I think you, I think you do. Like, at the same time, you can't testify separately when you have to, in order for it to have the right impact on the court, they have to be there simultaneously. I think they have the right to face their, face their accuser, you know, Mm -hmm. um, because think about if somebody wasn't guilty of this, you know what I mean? I think it changes the dynamic having, you know, I think it's just, it's a, it's a horrible thing to have that happen to you. But at the same time, you know, I think, you got to look out for people's rights, too. It's tough, though. I feel like it would depend on certain situations. If there was intimidation involved, I could see things. But I also, from watching Law & Order SVU, I know that it's supposed to yeah give you your power back if you testify in front of your accuser. 
or your uh, person that did that shit to you. Um, and then, so he gets released from the institution, but then as soon as he gets out, he threatens that he's going to slice Madonna from ear to ear. Uh, so he got in trouble Ugh. again for that. Uh, and they was, returned was he, him. How long was he in the mental? Was it 10 full years? He was in there for 10 years. 10 yeah. fucking years. And he's still thinking about it. Well, you know. That's love. Not much else to do, I guess. So he goes back to the institution and just sort of walks off. Like no one noticed him walking away from it. So they called him an escapee, even though he like, you know, no one stopped him or anything. <laughs> he just like walked away. Um, so, yeah. And then what does he do? He just goes right back to her house, you know? So he just can't stay away. He keeps going back. It sounds They're married. That's this house too. <laughs> right? <laughs> it sounds, until you know exactly what this guy looks like, and it kind of looks like he went back on drugs, you know, and lost a bunch of weight again. But like, he, um, he seems like he's normal for a while and he's kind of like a likable guy. So at first when you hear the story of like, Oh, a deranged psychopath drifter broke into her house uh, and then waited 10 years and came back after her. It sounds like Halloween or something where it's like they're escaping a mental mental institution to come after her. But it was just he's like the least scary version of it, I feel like. Yeah. I mean, in the if you see in the videos, he talks about sleeping inside of a tree um, <laughs> and sm- they show him smoking crack with his friends and. <laughs> Laughing it up. I think he was smoking crack with his mom. Oh, it was his mom, right? Yeah. What? Yeah, he's there with all these different yokel types, and like he's he's like you know explaining his side of the story, and then in the documentary they just freeze frame it and zoom in on the crack pipe in his mom's hand. Wow. He's awesome, dude. He keeps all the newspaper clippings about himself too. Like he has like a little notebook. Like you know how people are like proud of their kids and like oh he was in the newspaper. Like he's like proud of it. <laughs> has it up everywhere. <laughs> right. It's not like his T-ball team won the won the championship. <laughs> right. you know, this is something else. <laughs> um, slim picking still, so I guess it would do. <laughs> And then, but I mean, like, if you're illiterate, you know, like, it's just your name in the paper, so. Uh, so still counts. Next, <laughs> it still counts. Our next celebrity, number three, is Bjork. Ooh. I love Bjork. <laughs> you do? Explain Explain your love for her. Well, not, like, psychotic love, but <laughs> I enjoy music. Well, I mean, just your interest in her in general. I'm very intrigued. I like her voice and I like her music, how experimental it is and different. Mm. Yeah. It's cool shit. It's different. She's always been known for kind of being like uh, experimental, quirky, eclectic, and like artist, like highly artistic stuff. I, I think the thing I remember her most for is we're wearing a swan. Yep. Didn't, <laughs> she wear, didn't she wear a swan once? Yeah. Was the pinnacle of her she what, what a fucking idiot. Yo, what, you a, don't, what a stupid bitch. You don't know fashion. <laughs> uh, she has that dreamy, She's a <laughs> that dreamy elf-like Icelandic music vibe and voice going. She definitely resembles an elf, I agree. Mm-hmm. She grew up in a commune with her mom and her guitarist stepdad. Uh, she got offered a record deal when she was like 11 years old, and she went through bands with a bunch of different music styles. Uh, one of them was called Tappy Tikaras, which in Icelandic <laughs> means uh, cork the bitch's ass. <laughs> yeah, she's ill. <laughs> right? That was the name of her band? Yeah. That's okay, one of her she's starting to win me over a little now. <laughs> uh, she gained popularity pretty much a lot over here, especially like in the U.S. Uh, for her music videos. Some of them were directed by this director I like named Michael Gondry. Um, and she had an incident with the press in February 1996, where she'd asked them to leave her alone. She's like, I'm traveling with my son. I'm going to have a press conference. Just wait till the press conference. It's in a couple days. Um, when she landed in Thailand, and one reporter came up to her anyway, and so Bjork lunged at her and repeatedly bashed her head into the concrete on the ground. <laughs> I've I seen that video. She got to fucking whooping on that ass in that one. <laughs> 
Like that's some that takes some balls to go into another country because it's like these other countries you don't fucking know, <laughs> you know how long you might get put away for. But she's got her kid with her, so and she said this lady in? was following her for four days. Yeah, I mean that can get annoying, but um, <laughs> bashing the head into the concrete, um, you know. Just, just hire a security guard at that point. I mean, maybe celebrities, just, they're just like us. <laughs> I would just kick her in the twat directly. Because yeah. you can't die from a twat uh, kick. That's a viable option. Mm, your foot could get stuck, though. Well, I have um, a special bone <laughs> on my foot that prevents that. Do you guys find differences between celebrity worshipping, like, fans, paparazzi, and groupies? Like, how do you guys rank those? Fans versus paparazzi versus groupies. Like, are they just kind of all part of the same machine? No. I think they. Uh, many of them have a similar motive. Um, the paparazzi are the scum of the earth type, in my opinion. <laughs> waiting in your bushes. They do it for money. Praying, praying on uh, unfortunate events. Kind of like us. But, um, and then, <laughs> and then what? The, uh, <laughs> the groupies, they're just throwing the pussy and the cock around. Um, you know, but they're not real fans. They're like fans that are that leveled up. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. They're just like better looking fans. And what was the third one? Not necessarily. Just fans. Oh, just fans. Then just fans are just fans. You know. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Uh, so the fan in this scenario was Ricardo Lopez. He was born in Uruguay and moved to the state of Georgia as a young kid. He dropped out of high school to pursue becoming a famous artist, and that wasn't really working out for him. So he moved to Florida with his older brother, uh, George, where they he worked for his extermination company, you know, squashing bugs, painting. Um, and he spends most of his time alone. And he's overweight, and he also suffers from the man-boob condition discussed on a previous episode. Uh, and he's very depressed, but he's also close to his family. He's never had a girlfriend. And he begins to chronicle his extensive plot to attack Bjork after he finds out that she is dating Goldie, who is black. And he's extremely racist towards black people. Uh, Ricardo is. And so taking this camcorder, he records 22 hours. It's 11 two-hour tapes. And he really likes sucks you into his life within his apartment and what he's planning on doing to Bjork. And I, I think that this, we watched, there's a documentary available, which we're going to put up on www.evilexamined.com. It's about an hour and 42 minutes, I believe. It's about the length of a movie. And in my opinion, it's better than most movies, um, even though it's not really a movie, but it feels like one. And it's essentially just this disturbed man all these different clips meshed together of him speaking and spiraling more and more into madness and like fleshing out this bizarre plan. Like you said, the thing about he's an exterminator. Um, and I mean, he was bugging out like, cause some Asian person uh, didn't uh, say he did a bad job getting rid of roaches. And he's like, when I kill fucking roaches, man, He's like, I fucking do it right. And he's like, I'm going to go back over there. I'm going to turn that fucking place inside out. I, it's just, dude, I'm talking about, he's making you believe it, you know? And uh, I don't know. I just absolutely enjoyed the the film. Uh, and the last, the last 20 minutes of it are so fucking intense. And like your your heart will like be racing. But just to anyone who watches it, I guess a disclaimer, there is a bunch of racist shit he says in it, and then it that last period of the film, it gets real intense. He's also naked most of the time. And he has like a Gigi Allen penis. You know, he has like a Gigi Allen penis, and he's massive, he's morbidly obese with the man boobs. So. I mean. Oh, shit. He talks about how he like isn't in love with Bjork. Because he's not adequate to please her as a man. <laughs> yeah, he's like, so when I when I fantasize about her, you know, I, I fantasize just about eating her out. You know, like, I can't fuck her. Like, I have little dick. 
I don't have the stamina for that. I can't, I can't please her like that. You know, I watch porno, but you know, there's only so much that that you can learn, dude. He's really like, like you're. This is a picture of, like, what is he a schizophrenic? Would you say or he doesn't really hear voices though, right? Does no, he? No, I don't know. He has talked to himself. What he's diagnosed with, but he's definitely very lonely. Like, the, it's the picture of mental illness though. Like, if you ever wondered what it was like. For someone with a severe mental illness that's planning on doing something crazy and watching it unravel, like you can watch that in about two hours and it's it's like nothing else you'll ever watch, really. Mm. So, totally be intrigued. It culminated on um, September 12th, 1996, and after, after Ricardo had tested different acids on pieces of salami he had. He makes a sulfuric acid like sprayer bomb. This disguised as a book that's going to be adapted into a movie that he's like disguising this as being sent from the record company Electra and them wanting her to play a role in this. That's how he's decided he can get her to open this bomb. He did an excellent job with it too, not for nothing. The cover letter <laughs> looks completely professional. He had like the logo from the record label, like typed it all out. Made it seem super believable. So, like, he was very meticulous and executed that part of it flawlessly, in my opinion. It was just other parts, right, that he didn't mm-hmm. execute. Yeah, but he executes himself um, with a handgun and was found in his apartment four days later. And police were able to warn of the pending attack and everything was safely detonated Bjork actually sent his family flowers, and they, she was really sad about it. But do you guys think that celebrities are like gain more fame from being stalked? Like, do you think they low key benefit from it financially? Maybe I don't know. I think to some extent. What do you think, Gene? This attention. Like, are you even a celebrity? If you name. haven't been stalked. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's a good question. I I think one thing about the story too is like, um, what they they were he, he sent the package right, but they were able to stop it. I think it was like one day, mm-hmm. or something, right? That they had to get right on it. Yeah, it was close. Um, so that's nuts. And in the video, like before you're before we move on from this, I guess, like in the video, um. He's starting to get, like, he's not nervous through a lot of it. And he paints his face and shaves his head and he starts looking in this mirror. And he just looks, in abs- I mean, he looks absolutely insane through a lot of it. But towards the end, he just looks demonic almost. And he puts a picture behind him that says, the best of me painted on it. And he's positioning himself to where when he blows his brains out, that all that shit splats against the painting and it's like this this bizarre macabre art that will be like his last impression kind of thing you know and in the end of the film he just starts breathing super heavy super heavy puts the fucking gun to his mouth you know what i mean like and then stops for a second and he's like oh like you could just see him like in your heart your heart's pounding while you're watching this and you just see him trying to work up the will to get it over with you just kind of, well, I feel like you just want to help him the entire time. Like, I don't know. It's very, it's a crazy thing to watch. And I, I think I would say one more thing because I found this absolutely intriguing. And um, there were some times where he was talking about his family and when he had seen his brother or his mother and father and like the concern that they were expressing and breaking down and crying in front of him and saying, you know, Maybe you should come live with us. You don't have to worry about anything. Like, we'll take care of you kind of thing. And, but he's just, he's just so far gone. You can tell, in my opinion, like, I don't really think he meant he was in control. Like, he wasn't piloting his shit. You know what I mean? That's, that's, that's what I felt. I felt bad for him. You know, I don't think all the racist shit and, like, all the kill myself and kill Bjork and all that. I, I don't know that necessarily that was, that was like real shit. I, I just feel like it's part of, it might've been part of his mental illness. 
Yeah. Oh. Did did the video actually show him kill himself? Well, that'll be for the viewers to find out. <laughs> so you go to www.evilexamined.com to find out. Yo. That, that, that. Um, that was heavy. So moving from that, that man who directed his own sort of film to another famous director, we have Steven Spielberg. So he directed E.T. and every other movie ever, you know. But I don't even really, like, I didn't look up that much shit about Steven Spielberg's life. Because he just, you know. Quite a few classics. Yeah. Everybody already knows. It's fucking Spielberg. You already know, you know. What was the joke one time at the Oscars? It's like, oh, remember, if the building catches on fire, it's Spielberg first, then everyone else. Um, so his fan was a gentleman named Jonathan Norman, who was a former f- bodybuilder. And at, he was 31 for what we're talking about. He leased a car that was the same model as Spielberg's wife. And inside the car, he had things like, or no. So he, he leased that to be able to get past like security to try to be like, oh, they won't, they'll look at this car and think it's Spielberg's wife. Um, he had in his possession, like he had a little notebook where he would make shopping lists. And on the shopping list, he'd have like eye masks, dog collars, and chloroform. Uh, Sounds pretty normal. Yep. He, but the thing was that during conversations with a former roommate and with police, Norman was saying that he planned on raping Steven Spielberg. Like that's what he's going around telling people. (laughs) (laughs) And he'd... He had also been in trouble before when he got arrested for driving his car towards a group of people after having an argument with them. (laughs) Having the last word, you know. Um, Police also found a Jurassic Park sticker, a videotape of E.T., and cut out pictures of dinosaurs in his car. So that's cool. And though I couldn't find a lot of articles confirming this, he also had a twin brother and they were both gay for pay escorts out of a club called Numbers in Hollywood. Uh, it doesn't look like that club was like on Sunset Strip or like anything kind of famous. So I don't think it was well known. I think it must have been a more seedy kind of place. Um, well, if it's gay for pay. And I, I like how you said that. I don't know if I heard that one. I like that. So <laughs> he said, gay for pay. well, that's his twin brother's words. So I thought I'd be okay to use <laughs> Um So... It's, he's paroled now, apparently, but him and his brother haven't talked in 25 years, and I can't really find his location. Um, but in July 1997, I think this is around the time that like Saving Private Ryan was being filmed, Norman tried to break into the Spielberg's property for the seventh time that they know about. Uh, and when he got caught, he had with him three pairs of handcuffs, duct tape, and a box cutter that was referred to as his rape kit. So, he never got to rape the director, but... Well, who no, know? we'll see if there's maybe a sequel in the future, though. <laughs> one of my favorite a things... trilogy. <laughs> one of my favorite things I saw was, uh, like, the ADA that kind of, like, prosecuted this guy um, was, like, well, you know, celebrities deserve to be protected just like people do. Like, they're two different things, you know? <laughs> One thing that Ricardo, <laughs> one thing that Ricardo Lopez, the Bjork stalker, said was that I thought was interesting and thought provoking was like he's like humans are designed to worship, and he's like I've just s- selected to worship Bjork, and I was kind of like thinking about that, and I feel like we are like that's like when you feel awe or something like that, you know. Yeah. Whenever you're actually like in awe of something, I feel like. Maybe that does mean we're designed to worship. I don't know. but Yeah, Ricardo Lopez has a lot of insights on his tape. He's like, at one point, he's just in his room. He's like, look, at, he's like, look, I'm a fat piece of shit. He's like, I'm a fucking pig. I'm a slob. He's like, he's pointing the camera in his room. He's like, look at this. It's fucking disgusting in here. It is really nasty. It's so gross, too. He's like, I'm a fucking piece of shit. Like, that's not, that kind of life is not meant for me. I'm not supposed to have a girlfriend. Yeah, he knows. It's fucking crazy. <laughs> He's another one that doesn't want to work out, you know? 
Like, what's so bad about working out? Like, why can't we just do that? Cleaning your fucking mess. (laughs) Instead, (laughs) we just get plastic surgery twenty-seven times, or fucking send acid bombs to Icelandic singers. It's too bad they couldn't have taken Ricardo's Ricardo Lopez boobs and transplant them onto the human Ken doll. Oh my god, (laughs) too bad. You know, maybe he'll be possessed. Yeah, right. Next up. We have our final one. Uh, the celebrity is Agnetha Falstog, or Falskog. It's Swedish because she was the blonde chick in ABBA. And she actually wrote her first song called Two Little Trolls when she was a six-year-old growing up in Sweden. And from there, she kept pursuing music until ABBA got super famous. Uh, and they ended up breaking up. She had a couple broken marriages. She was married to Bjorn in the band. Um, she was thrown out of a tour bus window in a car accident. So that's pretty crazy. And after her solo album released in 1988, she took a 17 year hiatus from the music industry and she got really into astrology, yoga, and horse riding. And she married a Swedish surgeon for three years and then they got divorced. Then her mom jumped off a balcony, killing herself the next year. Then her dad died the year after that. And so she was very sad. And she lived in the middle of nowhere kind of thing, like in a small town in a kind of like a cabin. And she met this uh, Dutch forklift driver that she ended up hooking up with. So the fan that we're going to talk about is Gert Vondergraaf, who is a Dutch forklift driver <laughs> weighing 300 pounds. Wait, so she, so she slept with her stalker? She actually had a two-year relationship with him. Two because she years. didn't. She didn't know, like, when they first met, it was after all this tragic shit happened in her life, right? So super vulnerable. And he had moved there because he was stalking her and just kind of, like, hung around. So eventually they met, and she was very, I don't know, like, she was like, oh, man, this guy really knows a lot about my life. And he said that he'd been in love with her since he saw her, like, sing when he was a little kid. He's also, like, 16 years or something younger than her, like, a lot younger than her. And uh, after he saw her sing, he's like, I'm going to be with her for forever and was just mad obsessed with her. So uh, romantic. That's right. And so they met because he he lived in a tiny cabin as close as he could possibly get to her cabin. And the inside was just kind of wallpapered with glossy photos of her. Um, and so when they eventually met in town, like he had he was so obsessed with her and persistent that she just kind of like gave up after a while. And then she dumped him, got a restraining order, and he keeps trying to show up. He got kicked out of Sweden a couple times, too. Like, he was banned from the country for a couple years. But those are our five, but I've got a few um, weird runners-up and some questions, too. So what's the worst thing that the ABBA guy did? Oh, he just stalked her. He just just kept showing up. He wouldn't leave. Just continuous harassment. Yeah, I just thought that one was insane because they actually dated. Like, he... Pulled it off for a couple years, you know? Yeah, it has a different dynamic. <laughs> it's, it's kind of a success story in some I ways. a happy ending. <laughs> yeah. Mm. I'm just picturing him driving forklifts, but all he's thinking about is uh, this old rock star, you know? Yo, take a chance on me. Isn't that one, like, the most common one, though? Like, the ex-boyfriend or girlfriend stalker? For stalking, yeah. But not for celebrity like- stalking, I feel like. Right, but he was stalking her before, and then she didn't notice, and then he met her. Yeah, I guess that's the key difference there. You know, if he had just kept his obsession under wraps when they were together, he could have, you know, stayed with her. Dope. Yeah, he fucked that up. What a fucking idiot. And then, um, so basically, some of the other quick hits is people that had, like, crazy fans. There's David Letterman had this lady who thought she was married to him for five years. Um, There's a guy who carved I Love You, Jennifer Aniston into his car and kept driving past her. Um, There was uh, Rebecca Schaefer was shot by a 19-year-old fan because he thought that they were in a relationship and she had a love scene in a movie, and so he thought she was cheating on him. Um, Yeah. Paris Hilton was attacked by one fan when going to the courthouse to testify against a different fan that had broken into her house. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
And then Sandra Bullock uh, woke up to a guy with a machine gun in her house one night with her kid home, yeah. called 911 on him. Um, then we've got Dolly Parton. Someone was obsessed with her and left a baby named Jolene in a box at her house <laughs> for her to raise. What? Yep. Uh, Joni Mitchell had a guy who lived in a tent outside of her house for several years that couldn't leave. Like, they couldn't get him to leave. He just lived in a tent, like, right across from her house. I thought that was crazy. Um, there's a... Oh, man. Oh, don't skip any. Oh, I can skip some of them. No, we want to hear them. Um, right? Don't you want to hear them? There's, there's this British comedian named Ken Dodd. A lot of these, they're like, people will send people really weird gifts. So this guy, this lady Ruth Tegg sent this comedian, um, this comedian's girlfriend, a perfumed rat in the mail. Um, Jared Leto, one of his fans, cut off their ear and mailed it to him, and he turned it into a necklace. Oh, so he kept yeah. it. He was respectful. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, there was Olivia Newton-John. There was this guy named Ralph Now who had a vision and kept going to Australia to track her down, decided she'd been replaced with an imposter. He moved home, slept inside a cow until he killed his stepbrother with an axe because he thought his stepbrother was an animal. And then he got taken to the psych institute. Did you say he slept inside of a cow? A, a dead cow, yeah. I guess he'd have to be dead to sleep inside of <laughs> Did he kill the cow first? I don't know if he killed it or if it was already dead. <laughs> That's some fucking, like, fuck? Sasha Cohen shit, you know? That's like, some Star Wars shit. <laughs> uh, Brad Pitt woke up to this uh, chick breaking into his house that had a voodoo doll of him. Um <laughs> Uma, Uma Thurman had an artistic kind of stalker who drew pics of razor blades and sent them to her and brides with their heads cut off. Um, this one I'm the most jealous of is Gwyneth Paltrow's stalker was a pizza guy and he would just leave pizzas on her porch all the time. Yeah, that's <laughs> I'm like, oh, yeah. Uh, Halle Berry had this guy, Richard Franco, who broke into her house three times in one month. Um, and then... Oh, the, Stephen King had this guy named Eric Keene who was convinced the uh, movie Misery was about his life because it kind of resembled different like people in his life. So he broke into King's house with a fake bomb to give a pitch that he wanted to write Misery 2. Oh, um, God, dude. Uh, Nicolas Cage awoke to a naked man eating a fudgesicle at the foot of his bed. That one's what? pretty good. <laughs> um, That's hysterical. <laughs> and Rihanna, she one time had a guy throw a chair through a window to break into her house. Um, there's Taylor Swift. There's a guy from Rhode Island that keeps breaking onto her property. Who's obsessed with her. That one's pretty cool. Um, Keanu Reeves had two different women in September 2014 in his house kind of back to back. They would go that sounds skinny like that, dipping. That sounds like that Knock Knock movie. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Probably about the same time it came out. Uh, Justin Timberlake had a stalker that he had to get a restraining order on named Karen McNeil. And she used to stalk Axl Rose. So it's like, you know, that's a pretty big diss if you switch who you're stalking. (laughs) And then... She's a bandwagon jumper. (laughs) There's a... a, I don't know who it is, but there's someone named Jessie J that's a singer... And she had broken her leg, so one of her 17-year-old fans broke her own leg to match her. <laughs> yeah. Oh I know Jessie She's British. There's a like an older British guy that has 30-plus uh, Miley Cyrus tattoos that he got after his divorce. Um, and then, yeah, for Jodie... There's a guy named John Hinckley who was so obsessed with Jodie Foster that he shot Ronald Reagan because he thought it would impress her and get her attention. So, you know? Those are those are some of the quick hits. That was highly enjoyable. Those are good ones. Yeah. Their pain is uh, our entertainment. Our <laughs> yeah, our gain, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so if you really want to get someone's attention, just mail them some of your skin, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. JP, who's your favorite stalker on the list? I like I like the ear one. That was cool. <laughs> Mailing the ear to him. That was pretty classic. That's commitment. 
Oh, wow. He actually has a picture. He turned it into a necklace. That's He's insane. a sick guy, too. He is. That's fucking insane. You just got to stand out to them, you know? Then they might date you for two years. <laughs> right? And then you can drive well, a forklift. Well, the Stephen King one was pretty crazy, too. <laughs> Misery, too. <laughs> yeah, I... I mean, the guy who wanted to rape Spielberg is pretty cool, too. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, that one. Man, there, there's so many good ones. Those also, are my top three, though. <laughs> there's also a lady who legally changed her name to, like, Mrs. Kanye West. There's, like, I don't know. I found a bunch of shit. People are, people are insane, dude. They're just crazy. Gotta love them. Well, that cool. was wonderful. Uh, we hope you all enjoyed Fanatic. And, you know, be sure to head over to www.evilexamine.com to take a look at all the content that we're going to upload. And become our fanatics. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and then additionally, uh, we want to say, please, if you can, leave a review and, or a rating for the podcast and subscribe. And uh, I don't know, guys, anything else before we sign off for this week? Send us your ears. <laughs> yeah. Digital ears. You can send an email with like a picture of your ear too, if you'd like, and we'll yeah. post it up on the website for you. We'll turn it. Into I guess that's just as good. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, next week we have a, a story of a highly depraved individual um, who's going to go on a killing spree in the seventies, and uh, it spans for four months of madness. <gasps> yeah. So. We'll look forward to next week's evil entry. And until then, be safe, everyone.